Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. The scripture reading today is from John 6, verses 35 through 48. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it does show us that you love us and that you call us to you. Thank you, Father, for Joel and his preparation. I pray that you would be with him as he brings your word to us and unpacks it for us. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you have given us this day. In Jesus' name. Have you ever stared into your pantry, looking at the food, however much is there, having the feeling of hunger, and yet wondering, how is this going to come together to feed me? What is it that I can eat? You're standing in front of a bunch of food, but is it what you want? Does it sound good? You scan the shelves, you may move the boxes or cans around, uh, you, uh, in a worst-case scenario, open, and the pickings are slim. You look through the fridge, you check the drawers, you go back and do all of that again, and you're left uh, seeing the food available, but not what you're hungry for. 
Or uh, if you're more like the fast food type, then surely you've had that experience where you're, you're driving with someone, like, where do you want to go eat? And you start tossing out ideas, and the person's like, no, nah, no. Nah. You drive through like seven intersections where there's multiple fast food and fast casual options. What about this? No. Nah. So in the sense, you're driving around with somebody else. You're both hungry. You both want to eat, and you can't find anything that meets your hunger. This is uh, frustrating, no doubt. Uh, frustrating if you're the one who's really hungry and would eat anywhere, and the person you're with uh, isn't happy with any of the options. Or frustrating when you uh, really want something to eat, and you're, in a sense, staring at food, but there's nothing that you either know how to make or that you have an appetite for. And in the first century, Jesus is born into a world full of spiritually hungry people. They have a a pantry full of temples and cults and worship, opportunities for them to go and get their fill of something. You can go through uh, Jerusalem or the Galilean countryside or Corinth, Anywhere in the first century world, you can go through multiple intersections and there's opportunities for you to grab something spiritually to eat. It's into this setting that people were still hungry for something more. They longed for something with more depth to it. And so when Jesus was born into this world, the pantry had uh, passages from the prophets on it. It had the signs of God's working among his community. And Jesus shows up bringing those things together and says, I know that you're hungry. I have God's redemptive recipe that will truly fill you. I know you keep driving around in circles looking for something. I know where we can go to eat that will be deeply satisfying. If you've heard of or enjoy comfort food, Jesus says, I have the eternal equivalent for your soul. Come to me. I know how to feed you. This is Jesus' declaration in John's gospel. And we're going to pick it up this morning, I hope, as we think through our own spiritual longings. Because, look, here's the reality. While Corinth and Jerusalem seem so distant, you can drive around here and find pantry items that are are basically unchanged ingredients. Opportunities for you to take your gifts and your competencies and your background and mix them up in some form of worship that will not satisfy And so for you this morning, if you've shown up, and in some sense you have a lot, there are multiple options on the pantry shelves, but you still have that hungry pain of wanting something more, something that will truly satisfy. Jesus shows up through John's gospel to meet you this morning, offering that same recipe of redemption. And we'll look at it in two points, hungry for something more and hoping for his return. 
Throughout John's gospel, there is a picture of hungry people. And this is, at times, people who are, um, I don't want to say literally hungry, non-metaphorically hungry. And then also people who are metaphorically hungry. So John kind of mixes it up. There are hungry and thirsty people across the first century world, no different than today. And through his gospel, you see Jesus showing up to work out this redemptive in their lives. In the second chapter, Jesus is at a wedding where people are thirsty not only for wine, non-metaphorically, but for good hospitality. And the groom has run out. And Jesus shows up and says, I can fill the need here, both metaphorically and non-metaphorically, turning water into wine for a wedding at Cana. Then in the fourth chapter, he runs into a woman at a well who's drawing water, which is necessary for life. And Jesus uh, offers to her living water where she will never thirst again. And in the sixth chapter where people are struggling for something to eat, Jesus provides for them so that they can meet their needs. Jesus in this sixth chapter is bringing all of these signs to bear to show that God is at work here. And it's much more than just meeting the basic physical needs of the people, but meeting a much deeper, more profound need. Not only meeting their physical needs of hunger and thirst, although he does that, but meeting their spiritual needs, something that's much harder, right? And Jesus is showing up saying, I know you're hungry for something more, and I'm here to provide. In John chapter 6, in verse 35, that's how he introduces himself. If you have it in front of you, I would encourage you to read along. But he says here in John 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is uh, kicking off the first of seven I am sayings in John's gospel. We're going to take up almost all of them through Advent. Uh, In this series where we say, truly, truly, the one worth waiting for, we believe that Jesus has the right recipe for redemption that meets your most profound need. And he's introducing that through these I am sayings. Here, I am the bread of life. If you partake through faith, you will never hunger or thirst again. And so in this series, as we look back to Jesus' arrival and anticipate his return, we ourselves are living in a time where there are lots of unsatisfying recipes for all of the technological wonders that we have. And at face value, many of those things are good. They're not very satisfying for all of our competencies and our ability to create meaning for ourselves as individuals, I think deep down we know there's something more. And Jesus shows up saying, I have the recipe of God's redemption to meet you there. Now, as he declares this to the people, the people understand what he's saying. They're, um, they're not quite sure. He uh, declares to them uh, that he has come down from heaven. 
And uh, in verse 38 or so, I've come down to heaven, not to my own will, but to the will of the one who sent me. And then he declares that this is the will of the Father. But in verse 41, some of Jesus' opponents to his message, uh, some of the people who are a bit more skeptical, said, wait, this is Jesus though, right? Like, we know where you're from. Like, you stay around the corner, Jesus. Like, we, we know you. What do you mean you've come down from heaven? What do you mean you can meet us in our most profound need? Jesus makes this declaration that God is working out redemption and building on the line of prophets all the way up to this moment. With the signs that people had longed for, the temporary things, Jesus meets them, even in the midst of their doubt, to say, no, 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 this is God providing for you. He is declaring to them, even in the midst of their grumbling, that this is the way. That people left to their own devices, left to their own ability to mix ingredients, will never come up with a recipe that is satisfying, that it's something that has to come from God himself. So while true, Jesus had taken on humanity in his incarnation, while true, in a sense, he lived around the corner, he had arrived, God had shown up, God had sent his son He had to in order to deliver this divine recipe for redemption. It was required. It was the only way to mix the ingredients. Jesus is the missing part for what they most deeply longed for. And, And so Jesus highlights to them and says, true, but that's because this is what God has designed to deliver you. God is providing for your most deepest needs in ways that left to your own, you would have never figured out. The people were longing for more signs, like just make us more bread, just give us more drink. And Jesus says, no, there's more to it than that, more than even they understood. People who are hungry for something more, Jesus says, I am and what God has provided to deliver. And he unpacks this with two truths that I think are helpful for us to understand. Two truths that are kind of side by side together in this passage. So if you look uh, at verse 44, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. There is this sense, uh, not only here in uh, John 6, but throughout John's gospel, that uh, when I tell you, you can't, left to your own competencies, mix the ingredients well together, no one could. And John is making the case that God had to show up. That first arrival, the kickoff of Advent, had to show up because if he didn't, left to ourselves, we would never get it. We would always be scrambling for scraps that don't satisfy And so he is making clear that when people come to faith, this is God not only entering in, but by the power of his spirit working out salvation in our lives. So if you're here this morning and you would say, I am a Christian, you can't merely pat yourself on the back and say, I'm so glad I figured it all out. It doesn't quite work that way. So John is making the case. He's saying, if that's a conclusion you've come to, That's because God has been at work 
That's the language of all that the Father has given me. That's the language in the Gospel of John of God entering in to deliver and make good on his people. That's truth number one. But if you scroll down to the end of this morning's passage, he uh, continues on and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Now, truly, truly is uh, a way of grabbing your attention. It's a way, a device that the Gospel of John uses to say, pay attention here. This is important. I want you to take notice. So if truth number one is that God is at work to bring about this divine recipe of redemption, truth number two is that everyone who believes, any of you starting this morning, anyone who turns to Jesus in faith has eternal life. It is this free offer, both in Jesus' day, that whoever believes is saved. Whoever believes participates. Whoever is hungry for something more can come to the buffet table of God's redemption in Jesus Christ and eat until they're satisfied. That's the Christian hope. It's this free offer. And it's true even for you this morning. So if you've shown up and you say, wait, but is God at work? Am I one of the ones that the Father has uh, been at work in my life? The answer is, are you hungry? Come and eat at the table of Jesus. He is the bread of life, and he is the only one who satisfies. If you're here this morning and you're worried and you're anxious about your faith, you really like rules and structure, and you like following those things, and when you follow them, you feel secure. But when you find yourself a bit out of step and you're wrestling with it, and you say, but wait, 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 does God still love me here? Jesus says to you, you're hungry. Come to the table and eat. If you're here this morning and at this time of year you tend to struggle and you really wrestle with life, whether that's uh, some form of depression or whether that's just the realities of the rhythms of being tired and needing to keep going. Is there space for me? You may wonder, what if I don't have the energy to get out of bed? Jesus meets you right where you're at and says, are you hungry? Come to the table and eat. So while it's true, and we should never forget that God is at work, truth number one, God is at work in our salvation always, it's also true, truth number two, that whoever is hungry in the midst of our day-to-day lives can come to the table and eat. Fleming Rutledge uh, wrote a book on Advent, and it's really good. Uh, So if you want to read more, it's a bit longer, but it's good, uh, then I would commend it to you. But in her book, she says, in a very deep sense, the entire Christian life in this world is lived in Advent, between the first and second comings of the Lord, in the midst of the tension between things the way that they are and things the way they ought to be. To be a Christian is to live every day of our lives in solidarity with those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, but to live in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. In verse 44, where Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him, 
He also says, I will raise him up on the last day. It's this cue where Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Anyone who wants to can come to my table and eat. And then there's this sense of anticipation of what will happen as we wait for the second arrival of Jesus. That this idea that in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have hope in him. Not in some creed, not in some doctrine formulation, although those things are good and valuable. But in the life and person of Jesus Christ himself That's what we're invited into through faith. And Jesus says, if you enter into that, if you share at my table, when he returns, our hope is resurrection life and resurrection life eternal. That's the Christian hope. That's what Fleming Rutledge is getting at when she says, in some sense, it's true that in our day, things are not as they should be. We face all sorts of evil. We live in all sorts of difficult moments, both corporately and individually. But as Christians, and here's the important part when we celebrate Advent, in these dark moments, in these difficult times, we have real hope because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That doesn't, it's not intended to mean Christians need to be shiny, happy people all the time. That's not exactly what we mean by hope. What we mean is in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our difficult moments, we have real substance because of Jesus. And that's what we cling tightly to to mark our time here on earth. As the people who may as she put it, live in the shadow of death, but look forward to the unshakable hope of people expecting the dawn of Christ's return. Let's live and testify to that. Let me pray. Gotta ask that you will watch over us as a community and that in the midst of our own challenges that you will provide. Thank you for this church and this community that we can gather together, that we can hear from your word and sing, that we can um, partner with folks like Amanda who are faithfully trying to work out your recipe of redemption in the Metro DC area, on campus, in our neighborhoods, in all aspects of our life. Give us wisdom to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.